It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You may have missed it because of the bright glow coming from Paycor Stadium in the offseason, but the Reds actually made moves this offseason, and we're going to tell you which of those moves were the best on this Aloha Friday edition of the Locked On Reds podcast. Let's go. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker. We are lifelong Cincinnati Reds fans that have turned an addiction to this team into information for you. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to us talk some Reds with you. We encourage you, if you're listening or if you're watching here on this live edition of the podcast, hit us up in the comments section, or if you're listening, hit us up on Twitter, and you can be part of the show because talking Reds is what we do, and we want to talk Reds with you. Lockdown Reds is also part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. We are your team every day. And when it comes to today's live Aloha edition of the podcast, we've got a lot to talk about because, yes, Steve, as you mentioned, the Reds made moves. Now, I'm sure there's plenty of folks who are watching that are just like, oh, come on. They barely did anything at all. But what they did was very impactful. And both you and I have differing opinions on what the most impactful move was. So I, I, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling generous today. I'm going to let you go first. Why, thank you, sir. No, listen, Jeff, when you go all the way back to the beginning of the offseason, you and I both identified areas that we felt like this team had major needs and they really needed to address. And that's one of the areas that I'm going to focus in on for where I feel like the Reds did the best job in the offseason. And that is the complete overhaul of the catcher's room. We still haven't named that darn thing, but the complete <laughs> overhaul of the catcher's room. They got rid of the Colesberries. They got rid of the Papierskis and all of the other guys that couldn't actually catch the ball. And they went out and they brought in Luke Maley. I said it right. And Kurt Casale. They brought in both of those guys. And the reason that that's important the reason that that really matters is because it allowed them to implement a plan with Tyler Stevenson that you and I have been advocating for all along. In case you missed it in uh, yesterday's news, uh, David Bell was asked how he was going to handle Tyler Stevenson in the 2023 baseball season. This comes from Char Charlie Goldsmith's Twitter uh, account. Uh, David Bell said that the plan for Tyler Stevenson is to catch about 65 games this year. Uh, for those doing the math at home, that equates to about 40% of the Reds games Tyler Stevenson will be at catcher. Uh, that's four out of 10 days. Then three games within that 10-day span, they're going to use Tyler Stevenson at DH. And then two additional days, he's going to play first 
face. Basically, Jeff, they're doing what we said they should do all along. They're going to get Tyler Stevenson in this lineup 140 to 150 games as long as he remains healthy. And if the Reds lineup is just that much better because of it. But none of that could have happened if they hadn't gone out and got Maley and if they hadn't gone out and got Kurt Casale. Because really, if you look at these numbers, Kurt Casale is probably going to be the primary catcher for the Reds in 2023. And I didn't think they would actually do that. And it's really what needed to be done. It needed to be somebody else catching a majority of the games. And the Reds have actually gone all in on that. And I think that's their best move of the offseason. I 100% agree. And, and Charlie Goldsmith even had an article in the Inquirer talking with David Bell about this. Apparently all offseason, this has been a plan of David Bell's. He pulled out a schedule during his, his chat with Charlie for this article, and he literally had every game marked where Tyler Stevenson is going to play. Now, of course, health has a lot to do with this. Is Kirk Casale going to be healthy and Luke Maley going to be healthy all year? Is Tyler Stevenson going to be healthy all year? This is assuming health, and obviously the plan will change accordingly. But the fact that David Bell, who I think a lot of people love to just bag on because they think that with all the platoons and all the lineup changes and stuff like that, that he doesn't know who's going to be playing day in and day out. When he said that he's coming into camp and he already has a plan as to what day and what position Tyler Stevenson will play at, that's huge because that's another thing we talk about, right? Like obviously positional flexibility is huge in most players on a team like the Reds, where we're trying to figure out where everybody's going to be the best at. But the other side of that coin is these guys are human beings. They want to know what to expect coming in to work each day. Like, can you imagine going into work each day at the hospital, not knowing exactly what department you're going to be in? There's a little bit of trepidation there. Like I, I, I understand more than a little bit. <laughs> There's a human element to this. And I think that David Bell understands that. And I love that he's put that much thought into it this off season. Well, you know, it, it's tremendous and it allows Tyler Stevenson now to come into spring training and, you know, do the things he does as a catcher, work with the pitching staff, get himself ready, get himself in shape to play the catcher position. But it also lets him know, Hey, I need to take extra ground balls at first base. I need to be able to, uh, you know, cover that territory and be not a defensive liability. So I love it. It lets Tyler Stevenson now at the very beginning of spring training, really prepare himself mentally physically to be successful in these different roles uh, in a different role overall than he's been asked to do thus far in his career. Uh, and, and kudos to David Bell for, for not waiting and, and, and doing that sly manager thing where they don't want to tip their hand. Who cares? Like, tell, tell us what you're doing. I think it's great. Uh, between, between Nick crawl, finally learning how to talk to the media a little bit. And now we've got David Bell, like telling us what's actually going to go on. I don't know how to act. This is a, Ooh. Exciting times coming out of red spring training. Yeah. Yeah. What's going on here? And and look, the best version of the lineup, and this is in no way a referendum on his ability to catch. This is in no way a referendum on, you know, we, the reds think that he is catcher one B now and Kirk Casale is catcher one a, this is simply getting his bat in the lineup. We talked about it multiple times this off season that last year when the reds had him in the lineup, they averaged over five runs a game. And when they had him out of the lineup, they averaged just a smidge over four runs a game. It's literally an entire run difference. This is huge. The other big move, and this one's for me, and, and I, I 
definitely agree that Tyler Stevenson, because that was one, of, I think that might've been our top goal was to alleviate the need for him to be behind the plate every day. The other big move for me is getting rid of Moose. And I don't mean this as a slight against him as a person, but there was no place for him on this roster. The designated hitter position needs to be something that Tyler Stevenson can rotate into. Jonathan India can rotate into Joey Votto can rotate into. It needs to be that extra. Guys that can actually hit. Yes. <laughs> Moose couldn't hit like when he was healthy. <laughs> I think he hit a home run every three weeks. It was just that bad. And when he was in the field, let's not even talk about what he looked like at third base because that was bad. And that was the pseudo sounding plan wherever the season ended last year. And you're like, this cannot be what the Reds do. And they looked at Spencer Steer and they looked at the different guys that they have now on the roster. And they said, these are the guys that need to be getting everyday playing time, not Moose. And so are you, are you calling this then addition by subtraction? 100%. Is that the hundred percent addition by subtraction and kudos, you know, I mean, we don't do this very often, but kudos to Phil for just writing that check. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Bob had yeah. something right. <laughs> no, you're, you're, you know, you know, Jeff, this is, this is the thing, the, the simple act of, of, of cutting moose. And I know there were guys like, well, he's, they got to pay him anyway. He was taking up space yes. and just the act of cutting him now allows David Bell, the freedom to experiment and move these pieces around. I'm telling you, this is probably going to be David Bell's favorite year of managing because it's going to allow him to do that thing that he loves, which is tinker all yeah. the time he's going to be able to move all these parts and slide guys around and play different positions and and do all of the things he loves to do while utilizing his analytic analytics and his spreadsheet uh and all of that comes from the fact that they got mike moustakis out of the way and while they didn't do much the reds freeing up tyler stevenson from not having to be behind the plate every day and the reds freeing up the roster by getting rid of moose were super impactful moves by this Reds organization and something, two things that we had high up on the checklist for how can the Reds have a good off season? They hit them. No, absolutely. And you know, they weren't, they weren't huge moves. They weren't worthy of major press conferences, but they were moves that will definitely have an impact. You know, Jeff, we, uh, really love these Aloha Friday shows and a lot of good things have come from these shows. And one of them was the suggestion from one of the viewers to uh, start digging in on the stats we like to use on the show and start really breaking down what we use, why we use it and, and what it means, because there are still people out there, especially, you know, if you've been around baseball a long, long time and you, and you grew up on just the counting stats and, and just looking at average and on base percentage and, and home runs and RBIs. Uh, there's some of these stats you may not necessarily know what they mean. So coming up here in the next segment, we are going to dig into my favorite stat that I like to use as just a quick and dirty look at how a player rates against the rest of the league, and that is OPS+. 
Plus. We're going to be talking about that in just a minute. But before we get into the OPS Plus conversation, let's talk about the sponsor of today's podcast. I want to talk to you about FanDuel because this podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. We are at the midway point of the NBA season, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel. It is America's number one sportsbook. Uh, because new new customers at FanDuel are going to get a no sweat first bet. That's right. You uh, upload your money to your account. You place that very first bet. And if you don't hit, if you miss, it doesn't matter because FanDuel is going to reimburse you in bonus bets up to $1,000. That's $1,000 and up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Uh, you can check out some baseball futures if you're not interested in things like the NBA right now. Uh, baseball fu- futures are, are fun to mess around with. Uh, 11 to 1 odds for the Reds to win at least 80 games. Uh, Jeff has yet to confirm if he's in on this or not. He's telling us they're going to win 75 games. Uh, five games is not that much more, Jeffrey. I know math is hard. We talk about that all the time. But, you know, 11 to 1 odds. I bet it is uh, enticing you just I think I'm putting a little, a little bit. bit on it, yeah. That's what I thought. Uh, if you're that optimistic like Jeff, you can go place that bet over at FanDuel.com slash locked on because you don't want to miss your chance to get a no sweat first bet of up to $1,000 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. And now that sports betting is legal in Ohio, uh, Locked On has the perfect show to help both new and seasoned gamblers get their bets right a majority of the time. Download and subscribe to the Locked On Bets podcast for daily picks and analysis. It is available wherever you get your podcasts, just like Locked On Reds. Coming up next week, we are going to be, you know, we're back in the five-day-a-week rotation, folks, so make sure you are subscribed. Coming up on Monday, uh, Jonathan India is saying all of the right things, and he's also in the best shape of his life, we hear. Uh, So we're going to dig in, and and Jeff added that last part, but we're going to dig into what Jonathan India has had to say and, and the role that he is looking to fulfill for the Reds in 2023. We've got all that and a whole lot more coming up next week, starting on Monday. All right, Jeff, we have decided to do this series of statistics and kind of help bring people along so that once the regular season gets upon us, once we reach opening day, everybody can kind of be on the same page as we're going through this on a daily basis, talking about how the Reds have performed, talking about what the players have done. uh, And we're kind of breaking down the stats that you and I like to use. Yesterday, of course, was the WOBA. Uh, and you never did once I went back and listened to the show. You never did one time explain what that stands for. So fooey on you. <laughs> of course. We just said Woba um, over and over and over again. But uh, today we're talking OPS plus, And that's one that I use all the time because, you know, it's a league adjusted number that kind of tells you how one guy's doing versus another guy across the league. And, you know, with 100 in the OPS plus being the exact number that a league average replacement level player would earn 100. 
So anything over 100. So if it's say 110, that player is 10% better than league average. And, you know, we want to see a bunch of guys up around 140, 150, 160. Yeah, that's one of the things I love about OPS Plus is that with other statistics, and, and, and WOBA is weighted on base average. I cannot believe I didn't put that in our script yesterday. I put so much else into it, but forgot to put what the darn thing actually stands for. But yeah, WOBA weighted on base average, it's a nice number that really encompasses what a hitter does as far as run production is concerned. But it's just like batting average and on-base percentage and slugging percentage in that it's a decimal number. And there's something about my brain. I don't know. I mean, Steve, you tend to say that you're smarter than me, but there's something about my brain when I see a decimal and I just kind of shut down OPS plus no decimal. Plus it's an easy way to compare a player to everything else because you might see a batting average and you're just like, well, is that good? Like, obviously we know that over 300 is pretty good and it's pretty rare, but like on base percentage slugging percentage, what are good numbers there? We know. With OPS Plus, if it starts with a one and it has two numbers after that, that means that dude's pretty good. And if it's under 100, he's got some work to do. So with that being said, looking at last season and, and uh, you know, adjusting for players who actually played enough to actually qualify for this rate statistic on baseball reference, it was a rough year for the red legs when it comes to OPS plus let's take a look at this graph that is pretty graph that I made uh, right here on YouTube if you're listening on our, our uh, audio version I have a graph up for the Reds OPS plus leaders from last year and like I said these are qualified players so if you didn't play X amount of games if you didn't have X amount of at bats you didn't make this list so that right off the bat is where I start with this because only six. How many players played last year, Steve? 180. Yeah, might as well have been that many. Only six of them qualified, you know, for this rate statistic, which is in and of itself hilarious. The fact that Brandon Drury and Tommy Pham didn't even play the whole year as Reds, but they played enough while they were Reds to qualify for this statistic. And as we said, when it comes to OPS Plus, What's good? That's over 100. Sorry. Yeah, the, yeah, I, yeah, I was reading the comments. Yeah, what's good is over 100. Basically, 100 is league average. So if we're looking at this, and I want to read through it real quick for the audio yeah. guys so that they don't tune us out. Uh, number one is Brandon Drury with 128. So he was 28% above league average. Which Jonathan awesome. India comes in at second with 91 uh, in spite of all of the injuries, in spite of the tremendous slumps that he had a couple times because of those injuries, he still was a 91 OPS plus on the year. Uh, just behind him was everybody's favorite uh, farmer, Kyle farmer uh, with 90 OPS plus Tommy fam was in fourth place with 88 OPS plus Joey Votto injured and in all 87 OPS plus for number five on the list. And here is the shocker folks. The number sixth guy that qualified for the Cincinnati reds on this list was Nick Senzel with a whopping 64 OPS plus. I feel like you're going to meet buck farmer one day and he's going to be like, what the hell man? Like, come on. I'm a pretty good farmer too, but no, no, no. I, that is the other part of this list that you look at and you're just like, man, Nick Senzel qualified and Nick Senzel was that much below 36% below league average. Like that was kind of the, the overarching theme for me of this list was one guy and he was traded before the deadline was above league average. Everybody else was below. And, and really 
when you were looking at some of the other guys and, and they didn't qualify, they didn't play enough, you know, get enough plate appearances to qualify for the statistic. It really doesn't get much better. No, and, and and here's why I really like the OPS plus. I I take you back to I and sometimes the seasons blur for me. So if I have my seasons mixed up, please correct me. Uh, but I believe last season Kyle Farmer had that tremendous July. Like the rest of the rest of the season was not all that great. But he had was that two years yeah. ago. Two years ago, had a tremendous July, right? And everybody was singing the praises of Kyle Farmer. And, you know, you and I were both like, wait a minute. If you look at his performance as a whole, he was still like in the 70s for his OPS plus. And and so it allows you to not get caught up in the moment. It really lets you take a quick look at the totality of the performance over the course of a season and, and not let it get lost. So while Kyle Farmer was having that tremendous July and everybody was ready to put the captain C on his chest and sign him to a 10 year extension or whatever the heck else Barry Larkin said, uh, <laughs> you could look at these numbers and know that we maybe needed to slow our roll just a little bit. So but, I, I really like this stat. And the other thing about OPS plus, and it's not something we use a lot because we don't talk a lot about comparing players well let's be honest there hasn't been a lot to compare to the history of the reds for the last few years but ops plus allows you to compare hitters you can compare joey Votto to ted williams it's not gonna be a good comparison because ted williams was like the best ever but you can compare different guys to you know big red machine hitters and things like that because the way that the formula works is it takes into account how the league performed that year and it takes into account the ballpark that they played in different numbers and things like that. So when you see the OPS plus stat, it is not just taking in the individual performance, but it's also considering the rest of the league. So there's so much to this and the, and we always love the ability to compare it, you know, to league average hundred and all this other stuff, but you can even take it back history wise and compare numbers that way. So there's, there's just a beauty in the simplicity of OPS plus. And that's why whenever we talk about a hitter, that's the first thing we bring up. And that, and that thing you just mentioned about the, it takes into account the ballpark in which they play. That's important because, you know, let's face it, you know, a guy that plays 81 games at great American ballpark may have a little bit of an advantage over a guy that's playing 81 games at Comerica park in Detroit. You know, those parts just play very much different. So this stat takes that into account. And it lets you still put a guy that's playing in Detroit next to a guy that's playing in Cincinnati and, and still be able to compare them and compare apples to apples versus comparing apples to oranges. Heck, forget Comerica. You can compare, you know, somebody slugging in Great American Ballpark to somebody hitting in Ebbets Field back in the day. Like it's that's why this stat is so awesome. But that's why OPS Plus is a huge one. And we're going to continue this series as we go through spring training, explaining the statistics that we like to use whenever we're evaluating players. But you know what, Steve? I know folks got questions. I know they got comments. And I know we're going to address those coming up next. Before we get into that, though, I wanted to uh, let you know that the best way to stay within your diet but also have a tasty snack is to grab a Built Bar. Built Bar's got those amazing flavors. You're talking about cookie dough chunk. It's fresh on my mind because I just had one the other day. I got back from the gym, and I'm like, okay, I was good. I was healthy. Let's eat something terrible for myself. And I'm like, no, let's eat a built bar because it's got the chocolate. The chocolate's going to make you think that you're eating something sweet and unhealthy, but the macros are fantastic. Built bar has 
the best macros when you're talking about any kind of snack. They've got up to 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, and we're only talking about four grams of sugar here. You're not going to go crazy with the sugar if you eat a built bar, but it's going to taste phenomenal. Plus, you got the puffs. Literally, they took a marshmallow, they covered it in chocolate, and they somehow made it healthy. Like, I don't even know. I, I don't understand a lot of things. I don't understand how Joey Votto plays baseball and does it so well. I don't understand how Hunter Green throws over 100 miles an hour. And I don't understand how you can cover marshmallow with chocolate and make it healthy. But Built did it. And you can go to Built.com and get you something right now. But did you know you can also go down the road to Sam's or Walmart and get you a couple of boxes? You can go to Walmart in their pharmacy section. They got four-bar boxes that have cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. Just saying those names. Does anybody think diet? No. But they will fit right in. Or if you go to Sam's Club, you can grab a 13-bar box with a brownie batter or churro. And those are the puffs. So, yeah, do it. Go to Built.com. Go to Sam's. Go to Walmart. Get you some Built Bar. You can thank me later. Before we jump into your questions and comments, I want to let you know you can follow us in between shows. You can follow me at Jeff Carr with three Fs. You can follow Steve at S. Offenbaker with two Fs. And you can follow the show at Locked on Reds. Also, make sure that you're following us right here on YouTube, that you're subscribed, that we don't miss any kind of content we've got coming for you all spring training. Like Steve said, we're back to five days a week every Monday through Friday coming at you with content. Can't wait to talk about Jonathan. I'm I'm not going to lie, man. That article fired me up. I think I read that article by Charlie Goldsmith about Jonathan India, and I immediately wanted to put at least a little bit of money on that 80 plus wins. Uh, I still think that they're only going to win 75, but still 80 plus. I don't know. Like the thing, Jonathan, Jonathan, and he just got me fired up, man. He just got me fired up. Hey, and listen, before I forget the built puff, is that how you reward yourself for not falling off the rowing machine when you go to the gym? <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. That's, that's what, that's what I thought. Listen, we have reached the favorite part. Uh, of Aloha Friday. That is the questions and the comments because our viewers never, ever disappoint. So as we go through this, folks, we're going to take some for the audio feed. There will be a wrap coming up here in four or five minutes for the audio feed. Audio listeners, don't worry. The rest of it comes at you as a bonus episode. And for the YouTube folks, just stick with us through when we wrap up that audio feed. We're going to roll right on through and then pick right back up answering your questions and comments. So, uh, you know, the Oakland A's made a trade, Jeff, and it's actually uh, finds its way into being the first question uh, of the day from Jason. He wants to know how we felt about uh, J.J. Blade being traded uh, when Nick Craw. Uh, uh, Jason says, when Nick Craw made the comments about acquiring young outfielders, Blade was immediately the player that he thought about, and he thought he would be a great fit in Cincinnati, uh, and the A's didn't lose much. Uh, you know, you and I talked about this off air. I'm a little bit indifferent on this. I think that, you know, eh. and, and you had you made a great point about why you didn't think this trade would work with Cincinnati. Yeah, the 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 deal that was made, the the A's got JJ Blade, which A Blade, I mean that just makes sense anyway, but they traded a relief pitcher. They traded AJ Puck to the Marlins. And AJ Puck is a guy who they drafted as a starting pitcher. He just never really panned out. Injuries kind of messed with him. He got thrown into the bullpen and he was pretty decent. Like I'm not saying that he is closer quality. He's not going to be your bullpen ace, but he's a solid middle relief option. With that being said, if that was the price tag, 
who do the Reds trade in that case? We we talk about this bullpen like if we answer questions, then this bullpen could be pretty good, but it's full of question marks. Who are you trading right now? You're not trading Tony Santion. He's got a bad back. You're not trading TJ Antone, just had two, uh, his second Tommy John surgery, and a flexor strain, so he's still not healthy yet. And you got Lucas Sims, but he's coming off an injury. Does he have enough value to get J.J. Bleday? Well, he's got or to prove it. Or do you actually want to get rid of Lucas Sims? Like, I think that the most value any relief pitcher on the roster currently for the Reds that they have is that they pan out, not that they could make a trade for them. I don't think the Marlins would have said yes to any relief pitcher on this roster, not named Alexis Diaz. And if you're trading Alexis Diaz, you're getting a heck of a lot more than J.J. Bleday. Yeah, I, I definitely. Pat checks in. Realistic expectation of Will Benson. Uh, Pat's going with uh, somewhere between a 750 and 800 OPS. What do you think, Jeff? I I, I think it's it's really hard to project what he's going to do. It's just such a very small sample size at the major league level uh, that he got last year. Just a taste. Uh, you know, I have. I have high hopes for him. Uh, I don't know what a reasonable expectation is for him heading into the season. Based based on what he has done in AAA and based on his profile as a player, I'm going to say it's closer to 800. I could see it be, being between 800 and 820. Now, again, that's OPS. That's on base plus slugging. That's not taking into account batting average. There's going to be some folks that see his batting average and get flashbacks to Adam Dunn and start complaining. That's not what's going to happen here because he is a disciplined hitter. He's not, he, he's going to have a stark uh, gap. I always say this about different players. I want to see that gap. If you have a low batting average, at least have an on base percentage. That's like a hundred to like 120 points higher than that. Like I'm thinking of, uh, do you remember Yasmani Grandal? I think it was, I can't remember. It was last year or two years ago. I think for the white Sox hit like a buck 80, but his on-base percentage was like 390. Like, it was insane. And mm -hmm. if if that is what he's doing, and if the hits that he are, is getting are extra base hits, that OPS is still going to be pretty high. So I think 800 820 is where I'm looking at for Will Benson. BR7 says, happy Aloha Friday, and hope everybody Woba had Thursday. a great <laughs> Woba Thursday. Are we, are we not doing Woba Thursday, right? That's, no, 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 no. If we're doing Woba, anything is Woba Wednesday. And we get the alliteration. Oh my God. We're, Woba okay, Wednesday. We're not, we're not going there. All right. Troy checks in and says, are the Reds young pitchers the next iteration of Maddox, Glavin, and Smoltz era uh, from the 90s Braves? Now, this spins out of something that Hunter Green said, right? Mm -hmm. Isn't that where this started? Uh, wasn't Hunter talking to one of the media guys and, and kind of made this comparison? I, I did hear that, and I think it spins kind of from what Jonathan India is talking about, instilling confidence in the team and things like that. Dear God, they got to do a lot for anybody to consider them anywhere near these three guys. Like, that is – that's the highest of bars. Like, is that the best three starting pitcher – like, the best, like, you know, three Musketeers trio of starting pitchers ever? Because I cannot think of another trio that's anywhere near them. Yeah, and, and you know – this group, of I love pitchers, that. I love the confidence. I'm just, yeah. I, you know, that's that's high. This, but you know, this group of pitchers, Jeff, is is very different 
mm. from that group of pitchers. Of those three pitchers, only John Smoltz was really a power pitcher. Maddox yeah. and Glavin both nibbled and finessed and worked the corners and did things that, you know, none of these three do. Uh, Hunter Green is the power of the power. You know, he set a record last year for throwing the most fastballs, right? And then you've got Nick Lodolo, who is also kind of a power guy and working that back foot slider on top of a, a, a major fastball. And then Graham Ashcraft, who is maximum effort all the time. So right. I think it's a whole different style. But I can also see where they're coming from. They're not necessarily saying this is who we are. They're saying mm -hmm. we want or we have we think our production can get to this level. And I love that feeling. I love that confidence. I love the bravado of that. It's just that is that is so high a level to say you're 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 attaining that I want to see it. I, I I but I don't want them to be like, oh my gosh, this we put way too much pressure on ourselves to be this good. Like that that's like I mean that would that would be like Tyler Stevenson saying I'm Johnny I'm gonna be Johnny Bench in like two years. Like well it's exactly the same thing because you're talking yeah. about comparing to a Hall of Famers, right? So it's mm. it's exactly the same thing. So listen, Jeff, for the audio feed, let's go ahead and wrap up right there. Uh, audio listeners, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Reds. Don't forget, uh, in your podcasting feeds will be a bonus episode with the rest of the Q&A that we're going to do here on YouTube in just a second. Uh, but for the audio folks uh, coming up on Monday, don't forget, we're going to be talking Jonathan India. And now that you've made Locked on Reds your first listen, go make the Locked on MLB Prospects podcast your second listen. Uh, host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going to give you all of the information you need on Major League Baseball's stars of tomorrow. Uh, the Locked on MLB Prospects podcast is free and available wherever you get your podcasts just like Locked on Reds. And we are going to be back in your feed five days a week next week because Locked on Reds is going to keep you locked on every single day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.